Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Perfect Bound Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related. Brought to you by the Panel Jumper and Comics Engine. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is Nicole Lamb. Hello. Hello, Chris Casso. Hello. And of course, Mr. Nicole. Mr. Nicole Hornaday. <laughs> wow. Mr. Nicole Hornaday. 187 episodes. First that's, time you did it. That's if you married me. <laughs> yes. No, I, I should be complimenting Ben because he could have done that that tongue slip a long time ago. We do the coals all the time, too. Yeah, it's like we've cold. just yeah. messed his brain up. Yeah. <laughs> Why does your names have to be so I know. similar? It's so annoying. Because we're the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> we're the Colts. Well, how is everybody this fine evening? All right. Yeah. Still conscious. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. All right. Anyway. What do you got for us tonight, Ben Lord? Well, you know, I was trying to think of some small talk before we started our discussion today, but heck, let's just jump right into it. Yeah, I saw when, this when I initiate small talk, <laughs> the episode runs about 65 minutes. You know, normally, I don't plan on what I'm going to say at the top of the show. It's just whatever comes out, whatever I want to say to my friends here is what comes out. Um, before we started rolling, I'm like, oh, I should mention that. But then it was not really relevant to anything that we were that we were saying. When does um, that ever stop anyone well, at this I table? Know. <laughs> but but my point being, I completely, like, once I hit record, I completely blanked on what that yeah. was going to be. Yeah. And then I got your name wrong, and then just the train went off the rails. Do you want to, like, just stop and start over? <laughs> no. Because we could. It's too late. No. We have that permission. We have that freedom. Deep. That power. I do have that power. Yeah. All right. So uh, I came it. across I came across this article on uh, Gizmodo where there are shields made by the and I'm going to mispronounce this Wagi people of Papua New Guinea, and they contain images of the Phantom. And I'm like, what? Well, that's interesting. Why? Why does that happen? So um, turns out that. Uh, Two things, or, or the Waikiki people of Papua New Guinea actually, this isn't unusual for them. They actually take things and put them on their shields. And the Phantom became uh, a, a, a character, a, pr- a principal character, because um, he's an ideal subject for a war shield. He's a hero who protects his home, and he is known as the man who cannot die. Mm-hmm. The ghost who walks. And so, and there's some really great, there's going to be a link to this in the show notes, but there's some really great illustrations of the Phantom on these war shields of the people in Papua New Guinea. So, um, and this one has a license plate uh, (laughs) on it too. So that got me to thinking about other ways that comics have sort of popped up. In unexpected places. Now, when I sent y'all the show notes for t- for this subject, I also mentioned that an eagle-eyed viewer had noticed in an episode of Gunsmoke that there's a Wanted poster way in the back. And Wanted are Hal Gordon and Bart Allen. <laughs> but it turns out, I did some more looking into this, turns out this episode of Gunsmoke aired before Hal Jordan and Bart Allen were a oh, thing. Oh, is that right? So it was just a weird coincidence. So it's kind of like uh, uh, huh. Bert and Ernie and It's a Wonderful Life. Exactly. Yeah. I mm. refuse to believe that Sesame Street people didn't name Bert and Ernie I after do too, but those characters. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> conspiracy. Total conspiracy. So that got me. Illuminati confirmed. So are the uh, one more place I want to mention. It's not really uh, when I was originally talking about uh, talking about this. I'm like, well, you know, of course, there's like comic book TV shows and movies, and that's mm-hmm. where these things pop up in uh, popular culture. But there's also sometimes a comic character will pop up in. A property that's not 
a comic book mm-hmm. based um, TV show or movie. And the first thing that came to mind was the TV show Arrested Development mm-hmm. is season four, I think. Tobias and uh, his then girlfriend, whose name I can't remember, um, take jobs on the Hollywood Walk of Fame as uh, The Thing and The Invisible Girl. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, now I know who those people are because because we do this show. So I'm <laughs> and wondering. Then Tobias showed up in uh, Guardians, of, Guardians the of the Galaxy as a blue man from the Blue Man Group. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. the connection there is that the directors of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or, or of Avengers: Civil War and some more, not Guardians of the Galaxy, but Avengers um, are the Russo brothers, and they mm-hmm. directed episodes of Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. So, what other ways have comics sort of infiltrated our our society? Did you guys have want to go? With I any? have one. I'm looking it up right now. So okay, I'll go. do. I'll do. A, Take uh, it away, Chris. Um, so, well, Roseanne used to sneak in a bunch of stuff. Because Joss Whedon used to write for the show. Right. But really? characters would show up with like milk and cheese shirts mm-hmm. or vertigo shirts or posters in the background. Well, this, the daughter was the a daughter was. nerd, doing yeah. comic book fan. I can't Mil- remember the character's name. Was Milk and Cheese a publisher? Darlene. Uh, Darlene. Milk and Cheese is a comic by Evan Dorkin okay. about um, a carton of hate and a wedge of spite who uh, are dairy things that hate people and kill them um so yes it's uh right. so you know little, little bits would show up in episodes of roseanne mm-hmm. and be like oh yeah look excellent the one that always has puzzled me and i've never actually looked too deeply into it um is the musical kiss me kate uh cole porter musical from way back broadway musical back in the 50s has a character called lois lane um and and i uh I never understood how she, you know, because Lois Lane, um, she wasn't from the dawn of the Superman comics, but she's early on. I don't know when she showed up, is it by the 40s or if it was in the 30s, but... She's pretty know. close to right off the bat. Yeah, okay. I thought. Um, but yeah, that's always puzzled me, is that, that is that was she named after the Superman love interest, <laughs> or was it just because it was an alliterative name? Because mm-hmm. as we've learned, a lot of comic book characters, uh, Stanley created uh, almost all of his... his uh, Characters with the alliterative names because he couldn't remember them. Exactly, you know, and it wasn't <laughs> anything to do with uh, anything magical about it, or you know, so mm, okay. just helped him remember. Cool. Um, so, did anybody ever watch the show Fringe? Of course. So there was a season where they finally went to the other world, mm-hmm. the and the um, where things were similar but slightly different. And if you look in the back room of one of the there was like a kid's room. Um, you'll see alternate version of comic books. Oh. And so there's a uh, Crisis on the Infinite Earth number seven, which is the famous cover of Superman holding Supergirl's dead body. Mm-hmm. It's flipped. Supergirl's holding Superman's dead body. Mm-hmm. I think I remember that. And then there's also, instead of Green Arrow and Green Lantern, and the famous cover of the uh, when Green Arrow's shooting the arrow and it destroying the lantern, mm-hmm. it's replaced with Red Lantern and Red Arrow. So there's like... Four or five covers hiding in the background of Fringe, hmm. um, and that one's like it's a pretty nerdy show. It's like yep. I think they got Jeff Johns to get those things made, mm-hmm. so it's it's not quite as random as some of these other things. Right. Um, but yeah, then you get stuff like Fifty Cent raps about Plastic Man and uh, the song called Stretch, and like there's a lot of rappers <laughs> that that will fit in stuff, but like you know. There's guys like MC Chris or MF Doom where like they're mm-hmm. supposed to be nerdy, but when you just have somebody like Fifty Cent randomly mention Plastic Man <laughs> in their lyrics, it's like oh, what? Okay, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so stuff like that. 
Um, I also just mentioned Paul McCartney sings about Marvel supervillains. Titanium, Titanium Man. Man. You know, really? Yeah, Magneto yeah. and Titanium Man. You ever Wings. Know? Mm-hmm. I had no the idea. The band he was in after the Beatles. Yeah, I know. I'm familiar with Wings. <laughs> <laughs> My mom had the Band on the Run album when I was a oh, kid. I'm very wow. familiar with yep. it. Magneto and Titanium Man. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Was that song on that album? Wow. Cool. Yeah. So those are all the examples I had. So. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's always interesting when um, when it, it's less so today, but I'm sure 20, 30 years ago when you saw reference to a comic book on a TV show, that was a big thing for a kid. Like, yeah. I get that. I know that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of diminished today because comics are everywhere. Yeah, we're oversaturated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Easter and yeah. Easter eggs are like you know a commonality. Mm-hmm. Remember when Easter eggs were like you know your cheats or your yeah. or you had to like figure out all kinds of weird things and press all the multi different combinations of buttons on your mm-hmm. on your uh, on your remote to like you know get this cool stuff. Or oh, someone says, down. "Hey, congratulations! You found the Easter egg. Have yeah. a good night." Yeah. Yeah. Like way back in the day, you'd yeah. like go through a wall and it'd be like the creator's initials, and you were like, "I sure. found the initials," and like that was it. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now, you, yeah. you know, you you got to pay close attention in in Marvel movies and whatnot because they just they can come at you fast and furious. Yep. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. So uh, cool. Well, um, let's look for more instances, yes. friends, and but let's move on. Okay. And I recently saw an article where it said that Alan Moore had occasionally written under a pseudonym. I had no idea. Because to me, Alan Moore <laughs> seems like the, um, the kind of person who doesn't need a pseudonym. He's just narcissistic enough to be like, I wrote this. This is mine. <laughs> um, and I, don't, I, can't, I can't find what his pseudonym was, but... Um, does any so I'm wondering oh and another reason another thing I want to bring up is that uh, every once in a while I'll read something I know uh, written by somebody but that I know but they've written it under a pseudonym mm-hmm. and um, uh, most uh, the biggest connection for me is that Stephen King because we talk a lot about Stephen King here mm-hmm. on the show and off the air is um, he, his his pseudonym was Richard Bachman mm-hmm. and two books came out at the same time I think you can even you could have bought them like they were shrink wrapped together it was mm-hmm. I think Stephen King's Desperation mm-hmm. and Richard Bachman's The Regulators mm-hmm. and I read both at the mm-hmm. same time and I liked The Regulators more I didn't <laughs> like Desperation and I'm like wow Stephen King maybe you should, you should just write as Richard Bachman more because his first few novels uh were as Richard Bachman before, like, St- Stephen King was a name. So, uh... Which one is the pseudonym? Dun-dun-dun. <gasps> he cool. played with all that stuff. In What's fact, real? You know, if you... I, I follow his, his his stuff pretty closely for a while, and, and you know, that was a that was a, a literary trope he worked with, was mm-hmm. the, the duality of writer versus character. And, oh, right. And, and I think at one point, he just, you know, by the time he got to the dark half... He said, okay, I'm done exploring this. But he did it in numerous short stories and things like that. Um, and the, the whole Richard Bachman thing just always kind of puzzled me because by the time they were, uh, by the time, because he was publishing as Richard Bachman after he was a success. He was, yes. Um, and you read the Bach, because they put the Bachman books out in this huge collection. Um, 
and at that point, the originals had become collector's items, and I couldn't find them anywhere, the original, because they were just, they were marketed as cheesy paperbacks. It was like Rage, and The Long Walk, and The Running Man. That's right. And they've all been movies since then. <laughs> mm. um, but, I, and I read them with relish, but I just couldn't figure out why he did that. And he had his reasons, and he explains it. It just seemed really goofy. I'm sure he has a pretty big convoluted reason for doing that. I think part of that. it was that he didn't want to saturate his own market, which, you know, at the time, was like, wow, that's actually kind of wise, because he <laughs> loved to write. He was a compulsive mm. writer. And then he um, just goes on to write a book a month. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, mm. Alan Moore's pseudonyms were Kurt Vile, mm. Jill DeRay, and Translucia Baboon. Nice. Uh, also, some reprints <laughs> of his work have been credited to the original writer when Moore requested that his name be removed. <laughs> so, Unintentional pseudonym. <laughs> he was the OG. Yeah. The OG. Mm. All right. So anyway, are there any other pseudonymous, 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 any other pseudonyms out there we should be aware well, of? Frequently they are. Uh, Chris and I were talking about this before we, we came back on mic. But um, uh, frequently there are pseudonyms that the, the writer will choose because it's a work they don't want to be, they want distance from. Right. Mm-hmm. And or you know, work they're embarrassed by. And Harlan Ellison's was uh, Cordwainer Bird. Um, and that, uh, if you've ever had the great misfortune of seeing the uh, Canadian science fiction TV series *The Star Lost*, um, he had his he pulled his name from it, but it was thought, but you know he wrote nearly every episode, I believe, or at least the pilot, um, and it's all under Cordwainer Bird. But Cordwainer Smith was actually his one of his mentors, which is a real writer uh, who lived fast and 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 partied hard and was a, a pulp science fiction writer. So he kept Ellison. the Cordwainer yeah, part and really not the Smith. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, because we're on that track, mm-hmm. I'm going to tangent just slightly to movies real quick because sure. I just really like this subject. Um, Alan Smithy is the name that right. we were coming up with, and it's the the name that most directors will be like, I do not want to be attached yeah. to this movie. Put this on instead. There's a fantastic movie that I will always love starring Eric Idle called Burn Hollywood Burn, mm. where he's a director whose real name is Alan Smithy. Oh, no. And he's just like, take my name off of this and using their name. They're like, okay, we'll put Alan Smithy and I said no that's my name and so he steals his own movie and goes uh, on the run and the movie stars the fake movie stars Sylvester Stallone Whoopi Goldberg and Jackie Chan as action heroes and they are completely egotistical I've never heard of this how have I I not seen this movie I think he's making no I love this movie because it's great because it's being done as interviews and uh, um, Jackie Chan Whoopi Goldberg and Sylvester Stallone are so egotistical and full of themselves throughout all the interviews. It's great. Is that a mockumentary? Yeah, it's like a mockumentary. Burn style. Hollywood Burn. Burn Hollywood Burn. All right, I'm going to look that yeah. up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just uh, I, I've only ever actually realized I've seen an Alan Smithy movie once, and it was like the fourth Hellraiser movie. I was just like, I actually kind of like this one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> did you look to see if Smithy has an IMDb page? Uh, I did way back. I can't remember oh, what I okay. saw, though. All yeah. Right. So if you get a chance, look up Alan Smithy on the IMDb. Um, as on back to the comic side, there's a, a couple pseudonyms that never had a chance to exist that I was just reading about. And uh, so did you ever hear about the Bizarre Boys? No. It's a long-lost project by Peter Milligan, Grant Morrison, and Jamie Hewlett of the Gorillas and Tank Girl. And um, it never got to fruition, but they were never going to write it under their names. It was going to be written under Millicent and Morrigan. 
so they just <laughs> flipped their names together. And I was like, and oh. It would not be hard guess as to who was responsible for it. Exactly. I want yeah. to point out that Chris is going back to referencing a book that he lambasted <laughs> yeah, a no, couple weeks ago. I still don't recommend it. Now it's a reference for him. Because now he's actually working in the vertical office, <laughs> and I'm getting interesting facts out of it. <laughs> but uh, it's still not worth the 25 freaking dollars. That reminds me of something I do uh, briefly want to say. Uh, just today, we got um, a comment on one of our YouTube book reports, oh, yeah. of a, a book report that Nicole gave a while ago. And so now, every time everybody has like a negative review, I'm like, oh no, what if they find it? <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> then write a better book. All right, there you go. Hey, yeah. uh, another, uh, so the, this one's a bit lengthy, but uh, Will Eisner of the spirit and many other things, contract with God and so on, uh, did also use the name William Irwin Maxwell, but a very interesting story that popped up uh, last year or the year before. Um, a New Jersey artist and antique collector named Joseph Getzinger acquired an enormous 10,000-piece collection of 1930s-era cartoon printing plates. And during his research, he became fascinated with two strips called Uncle Otto by Carl Heck, and another one called Harry Carey, credited to an unknown artist named Willis B. Renzi. And it wasn't until the guy finally realized that um, all of this stuff was kind of commissioned by one of the studios that Eisner worked for, Oran, that Renzi is Eisner backwards. So they realized that all of these long lost works that no one's ever really remembers anymore are the lost works of early Will Eisner. Wow. So, so that was that was a pretty cool pseudonym yeah. story. Yeah. You know? And then I also got uh, Neil Gaiman uh, when he used to write for British magazines before the he went full swing into his comic career was also known as Jerry Moosegrave, Richard Gray, and then he used a couple of house names for all the magazines. So a lot of magazines just have reserve names that you can just be like, I don't want to use my name. Put this on. Mm. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it's the Alan Smithy of that magazine. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. I'd always I'd I'd like to. Um, see like a pie chart of why um authors will use a pseudonym because like i'm sure a majority is or like you know maybe like a quarter is they don't like what they did mm -hmm. you know and yeah. so they don't want to be associated with it part of it is probably what stephen king said where he didn't want to saturate his market so he's just doing that other you know, I'm sure other writers do it as maybe like a writing exercise. They right. Kind of. I was going to say a different maybe kind of it's something they know is going to be a risky effort, and if it fails, they don't want to be right. Seems, it won't affect yeah, them. Yeah. Some people do controversial material right. too, and they want to separate themselves. And sometimes it's because you want to get into the industry, so you're going to abuse a certain um, stance, which is C.B. Sabolsky, uh -huh. um, the uh, oh, EIC no. of Marvel, who admitted to writing under a Japanese pseudonym of Akira Yoshida mm -hmm. um, because he thought just being another another guy in the industry wasn't going to cut it. So, and yep. at that time they Marvel was trying to reach out and do some more manga style comics. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All righty. That almost Not seems like it's a reasons. movie, you know, that whole like scenario it just seems so strange. It seems like a bad rom-com movie. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And then they fall in love. <laughs> My weekend in Japan or something. Like yeah, that. exactly. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Do we have any other notables that we want to mention before we move on? Yeah, and there's Frank Quietly. His real name is Vincent uh, Degon, I believe is how you say it. And Mobius, you know, was a was a pseudonym for Jean Gerard. Oh. So 
Those are well-known people. Um, Frank quietly did Flex Mentallo out of the Doom Patrol stuff, and he did All-Star Superman, which I need to read very badly. You do. And, of course, Mobius did a bunch of stuff. I wrote down the two most important, which was InCal and the Silver Surfer Parable, because Galactus. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably the only... Mobius book I own is the Silver Surfer one. Good um, job. Yeah, but I mean, I've <laughs> read a, I've read a couple of the Incal books, and um, I, when he died, I was like, you know, Cole, you really should invest some time in in reading his stuff because it is truly stunning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you, friends. Let's move on to book report. And Cole Hornaday, let's start with you, sir. Okay. Well, um, I don't know if I've made this quite clear to everybody at this table and uh, everyone out there in podcast land, but the next panel jumper is going episode is going to be devoted to uh, atomic monsters in comics and and film and stuff like that, uh, and how those things kind of dovetail together. I'm still hammering out a lot of ideas, but I'm having great fun reading um, new and old comics about uh, kaiju and whatnot, um, and I was very excited to. Uh, uh, this new book from Image called Leviathan. It's a, a mini-series. I think it's running six issues. Uh, let's see. Let me give you the credits here. Uh, created by, uh, written in, uh, yeah, uh, all created by Lehman and Patara. Art by Nick Patara. Written by John Lehman. Um, so it's a, uh, it's a screwball little book. Uh, it starts out kind of meta. It's all these kids standing around the, uh, a movie theater, and there's a kaiju marathon happening, and they're talking about the merits of, of certain um, uh, nuclear monsters versus others. And they're, uh, you know, of course, they're playing fast and loose with properties we're already familiar with. Um, nuclear Mantis is the best monster. You kidding? Robozilla is clearly the best monster. And all those kind of fun conversations that, that nerds and uh, boys age 12 have all day long. Um, then we meet this young couple who are madly in love, and they're at this party, and everybody's bored, so um, a gentleman named Goth Jimmy pulls out his magic, uh, I think it's actually, it might be, uh, it might be supposed to be a uh, like a D&D &D board, but it's actually like a conjuring board, and whoa, and behold, he conjures up this evil giant monster that proceeds to tromp and trounce the city, and uh, gotta give, um, uh, uh, Patara credit for a really tremendous splash page of Leviathan. Uh, it's almost like a, 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 a where's a, a, where's Waldo. Thank where's you. Waldo? I was going to say Walter, and that's not right. In the uh, Jeff Darrow like it's very Jeff Darrow. But yes. you know what? Honestly, no one can do Jeff Darrow but Jeff Darrow. I mean, it's just like you know, you sit there and look at a Jeff Darrow illustration and you count the cigarette butts on the ground mm. and the pull tabs <laughs> and the doggy poops. You know, it's the detail he puts into things are just amazing. This is good, but it's not Jeff Darrow. Good. You, you know, if somebody puts dog poop in a comic, dude, they care. Have you sat down and looked? <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's silly and full of tropes that we're very, very familiar with and it goes in and out. And then it hits a really tragic beat and I'm like, oh, oh. Ooh, uh, so I'm really curious of where it's going to go, but I also um, am grateful that this comic has come up because it's kind of exploring things that I'm I'm I'm, I'm still trying to gel for what I want to write for the the panel jumper episode. Um, so uh, I, I I need this series to actually uh, hurry up and finish so I can conclude some ideas. <laughs> All right, but I did enjoy the book. Get uh, on it, layman. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Leviathan. Thank you, Cole. Mm -hmm. uh, Nicole, what do you got for us this week? So I'm going to review as Guardians of the Galaxy. And I say that because there's going to be like three different levels to this. Nice. <laughs> uh, so as Guardians of the Galaxy is written by Colin Bunn and the art uh, is by uh, Matteo Loli 
and Federico Blee, I think, or maybe he's the letterer. Um, so this is gathering all of your favorite Asgardians, Angela, who has been shoehorned into being a Thor's brother, uh, Valkyrie. Thor's Oh, sorry, sister. sister. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I got, you know, I was hmm. close. Um, and then in uh, the Destroyer, which is a, a, an armor that's, you know, like a, a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, Scourge the Executioner, who you may know from Thor. Ragnarok. Thunderstrike, who I didn't know who that was until I read a blurb on him. And Throg, who is Frog, who is also worthy and is Thor. It's Throg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this is also an Infinity Wars tie-in. Um, so there's lots of, uh, celestial fighting, uh, but we start with Annabelle. Annabelle is somebody who showed up in the Fearless Defenders run that Colin Bunn did many years ago. And she, uh, uh, is an archeologist who would, for whatever reason, switch places with Brunhilde, uh, who is Valkyrie. And, uh, I didn't read that series. My husband did. He really loved it. So, uh, this, if you were one of those few people, cause it got canceled due to, you know, low numbers. Um, then, you know, this is where you can see her again. She's starting on a date and then, uh, Angela and the destroyer show up and, um, and then they call her, call her in because they know she's connected to Valkyrie. Um, the, the thing about this is, is uh, one, you have to know these characters. Two, you have to know these characters. <laughs> and then uh, three, you have to care maybe a little bit about Infinity Wars. Not much, because I haven't been reading it. And it's just people fighting, uh, from what I can gather. <laughs> um, teleporting and fighting and multiversal stuff. Um, and there, there is a page in the back that tells you what every, who everybody is, but there's a big spoiler on that last page that they leaves you with a cliffhanger and ooh, exciting. Um, and Marvel keeps ha- having this habit of giving you all the information you need to start it at the end. They did it with Legacy where they did primers, which gave you context of who the superhero was after the letters page, after you're finished with the whole comic <laughs> and are probably going to put it down, mm. then they would give you this prelude. Um, so, you know, it was, it, was, it was interesting because seeing this character that I know my husband is, really cares about, like I showed him, like, hey, look, this is coming back, this thing you loved. Um, so, you know, he'll probably pick it up at some point. But I really didn't know who Thunderstrike was, and then I read it, and then I was like, oh, oh. Okay. And he's like the son of Thunderstrike. Yeah, yeah. He's he's Eric Masterson's son. Um, Eric Masterson was a, a hero who uh, became Thunderstrike by Odin. And then after he died, Captain America gave the mace to Eric's son, Kevin, who soon proved himself worthy of the title and the weapon. Um, so, yeah. And there's even things in here that say, like, hey, we know these, this information is confusing, but just roll with it. So it's, it's kind of like a, a hard title because... You have to have context going in. It's definitely not reader-friendly. It's a tie-in, but it's a number one. Um, but then it's bringing back characters that are, like, super obscure, you know? So it's a very strange title. I Overall, I did enjoy reading it. Um, I think it's well-crafted. It's well done for as messy as it is. Um, but it is definitely a mess. It mm. sounds like a book that would, would reward me for reading exactly. It, it, like it rewards you if you've been following yeah. certain things, yeah. if you've been tracking with certain stuff right. uh, 
for sure. And it's actually a good Colin Bunn. I think Colin Bunn has a tendency on his mainstream stuff to be a little bland. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if he's doing Southern horror, then it's probably good. Um, but I think that this is his thing that he loved. It's kind of got some of his babies in there with Annabelle showing up again. So, so I don't know if I should recommend it to you or not, <laughs> but just take it and go with whatever. All right. Yeah. That's Guardians of the Galaxy. Thank you, Nicole. And finally, Chris Gasseau, what do you got for us? Um, So I caught up and read the new release of uh, a creator I really love that nobody knows. Um, His name is Prentice Rollins. He's done a couple graphic novels in there, but he usually just inks other people. Um, And one of my favorite sci-fi books uh, was a book he did called The Survival Machine. And he does generally little short snippets that are kind of social political charge pieces and uh the blurb on the back of this says uh it's a literary sci-fi glimpse into our future for fans of black mirror and the twilight zone it definitely has that tone um i gotta be careful and figure out how to describe this without too many spoilers (laughs) but basically um the narrative is coming from a man and his kind of late 50s or so who um, is a physicist and he's coming to New York from London with his family and it's mostly him just grappling with trying to not be a terrible person because he's an alcoholic and through the course of him dealing with his family um, sneaking away to have drinks and you know just this drama between um, him and his daughter who never refers to him as dad but as his first name Walton um, they introduce the idea uh, this is taking place in the future sorry I missed that um, that there are these weird floating black orbs that are horribly ominous and they just kind of show up randomly and the whole story is is revealed through a series of flashbacks of him and his youth and uh, it turns out that after a series of bombings um, in the US like in the 2020s um, at, at a a whole bunch of prisoners were released across the the U.S. And so the government decided to find a a new way of taking care of prisoners. And it's essentially creating these mobile prison units, which are these black orbs that always follow a prisoner, but move so that they can't ever see it. Hmm. And it renders them invisible to everyone else. And it will hurt them if they do, if the prisoner does anything outside of what they're allowed to do. So basically, there's thousands and thousands of ghosts walking throughout the the entire U.S. And people can just randomly see, like, these orbs. And the orbs have a horrible voice that just says, move out of the way. Ignore me. Ignore me. Prisoner coming by. Um, and uh, But then there's there's horrible setbacks to that. And the, the main character was hired to try and find ways to hack those systems and, and so they could make it uh, uh, completely foolproof. And um, it's it's very dark and horrible as to the, the, the lengths that the U.S. government goes and to what people are willing to ignore and give up as far as personal freedoms go. So it's a very, very interesting uh, social political sci-fi piece. Um, And yeah, Prentice Rollins kind of shows up like every five to 10 years, does a thing and no one pays attention to it. It's published by a company that no one really pays attention to called Tor. Tor. Uh, Yeah. Is that 
an anagram? Or not anagram. I thought Tor, uh, Tor was books like been around for a long yeah, it's time. Tom Doherty Associates. Um, they've been around, but it's just as far as comic book publishers go. Yeah, most no, people they, don't know that. I think they they pulp they published uh, pulp science fiction for decades and decades. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, the Furnace by Prentice Rollins. I recommend finding the Survival Machine. Um, it's one of my favorite pieces of sci-fi, and uh, it's just good stuff if you want character-driven science fiction. Cool. Nice. All right. The Furnace. Thank yeah. you, Chris. Well, that is Book Report, and that is our show. Coming up is quiz time. But before we go, I want to tell you that the Perfect Bound podcast is brought to you by the Panel Jumper. See everything Cole Hornaday and I do at thepaneljumper.com, as well as Comic Extension here at 319 Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford, or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at comicsengine.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or however you get your comics at perfectboundpodcast.com. Send us an email, perfectboundpodcast at gmail.com. And now, friends, get your quiz hat. It's on. It's quiz time. This week, the questions come to us from me. What? This one's called Give Someone Else a Chance. Here are five comics <laughs> written by already established celebrities. Number one. Spider-Man, the short Halloween is a one-shot written by Saturday Night Live alum Bill Hader and this SNL alum and current late night talk show host. I want to say Stephen Colbert. No, it is not Stephen Jimmy Colbert. Fallon? It is Seth Meyers. Okay. Fun you know, eventually we'd get there. <laughs> Fun fact, the title is, of course, a play on Batman The Long Halloween. All right, number two. Frenemy of the State from Oni Press was written by this Parks and Rec and The Office actress who is also attached to adapt the screenplay for Universal Studios. I can visualize her because she's she's the main character's friend, like best friend. Yeah. Yeah. And her name is Rashida Jones. Fun fact, she is the daughter of Quincy Jones, which I did, did not know until oh, I, I don't think I knew that either. Yeah. All right. All right. Number three, Superman True Brit is an Elseworld title which imagines if Kal-El had landed in Somerset, England instead of Kansas, co-written by this former member of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Cole's John Cleese. It. it is John Cleese. Fun fact. Instead of Clark Kent, his Earth name is Colin Clark. Number four, Bad Planet from Image is a six-issue series written by this former Punisher lead actor. Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. Fun fact. The artist on the book is veteran Punisher artist Tim Bradstreet, who Jane met on the set of the 2004 film. Man, I didn't know that. <laughs> And I read that series. I thought it was fascinating. And finally, number five. Some issues of Dark Horse's The Black Pearl and The Simpsons' Treehouse of Horror were written by this Corvette summer actor. Mark Hamill. It is Mark Hamill. <laughs> Fun fact. A red herring is defined as something, especially a clue, that is intended to be misleading or distracting. Yes. Hence the Corvette summer. I, well, I but. got it, but I read... Uh, Black, whatever it was, uh, it was Black Pearl. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just reminded me with the Thomas Jane thing on one of our previous uh, subjects about comics showing up somewhere else. Oh yeah. In the mist, um, they go to the uh, the pharmacist where they get attacked by horrible spider creatures and eaten by acid. And there's a comic rack, and Thomas Jane and the director made it a point to get the goon on there by Eric Powell, and a few other projects. I think that. Um, uh, who was the guy we mentioned was the artist that did the covers? Bradstreet. 
did some oh, images. Right. So, like, that's yeah. more sneaky comic book stuff. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Sorry. Well, there's a little bonus content for you there. Well, that is quiz time. That is our show. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.